Selected Teachings of Joko Beck, Part 2. Yesterday I quoted the text from Denko Roku, where Yunju says, if you want to realize such, you must be such a person. Since you are such a person, why worry about such a thing, such suchness? Thusness, tathati. This is who we and what we always are. Every day, our life begins anew. Every day, our practice begins anew. Every sitting is our first sitting. Every moment is our birth. I say it, new birth. And though this moment has past, future, if and when we drag the past or future into this moment, so to speak, holding on to and fiddling with it, when we fiddle with regrets or anger or fears, then all sorts of difficulties arise. Suffering, harming results. So, Joko says, continues her outline. Experience the body. First is assume your best posture. So, what is best posture? Upright, grounded. Attention to head, neck, arms, weight on buttocks, legs, feet, mouth, tongue, all according to your, not a matter of judging it, comparing to some ideal we've set up in our head or read somewhere or comparing ourselves to anyone else. It's the abilities and conditions that we have. That's why it's your best posture. We, body we are, body mind we are, age we are, and so forth. Joko continues, attend to our alive Ongoing physical experience, physical experiencing, just as it is. This just as it is is very important. It's not about a certain kind of experiencing, and it's certainly not about fixing or better experiencing. It's experiencing as is, just experiencing. Joko Joko then continues, and we could do it 
in an easier way, so to speak, if we find that we cannot, do not experience this, experience this bodily moment, if we say. Maybe because we're so unused to it or for other reasons. Then she suggests focus on one aspect, such as the breath or sound. If necessary, use aids for a while. In other words, aids means such as counting breaths. Or another way is to visualize a ball in your belly inflating with each in-breath, deflating with each out-breath. But it's important to know that these are aids. Even though they are the whole thing, Nothing else than this breath, this belly inflating. Nothing lacking or missing. Not a thing in this moment. Still, if we focus on them and that focus excludes, then excluding is still only a provisionally necessary form and appropriate practice. Provisionally. And it's to be discarded when we don't need that kind of aid. Then Joko continues, label your thoughts, label what comes and let it go. In other words, one form of doing that is having thought This is good. Maybe I'm getting the hang of this meditation business. Close quote. Having thought, I'm terrible at this. All such sorts of things. Label and then let it go. Or as I sometimes say, open up. Notice how emotion-laden thoughts can obscure all else. In other words, oh, oh, this is so bad, or he did, or she, or... It's important to notice how, when uh, obscuring is going on. Or another way of saying obscuring is entangling or caught up, caught. It's the caught that's important to notice and to even... If it's appropriate, label that. Joko continues, keep returning to the body. Now, though it, I'll say, though it seems that we are returning in a way that is part of the caught upness of emotion, thought, of self, not self story that makes us miss what is always so. This experiencing, this moment, this, if I say it, vast expansiveness of right here, now. How, when do we miss it? We miss this in the, if I say it, entangling narrow focus, the exclusion that caught up in emotion thought is so We're not really returning, so to speak, to experiencing 
we can just as well say opening to this whole body, whole universe, whole experience. And yet, because it seems that way, it's important as we provisionally use the labeling that we continue labeling and returning Joko gives tips further. Experience the physical aspect of emotion thought when it is present. For example, when angry, the task is the active experiencing as a bodily sensation of the anger's residue in the body without clinging to self-centered thoughts. So it's the emotion thought of anger and then the active experience, as she said, as a bodily sensation. And anger is just one example. Could be all sorts of things. Sometimes, I'll say it, it's useful to make a particular effort to bodily feel and experience whether it's the anger or the sadness or the upset or the regret to go into it and reside there for a bit and maybe even expand this to the whole of body the whole of experience so that's the basic instruction of Joko in terms of formal sitting. We call it formal meditation. However, the very next point is that notice thought, experience the body throughout everyday life, in everyday life, and in all sorts of everyday life circumstances, which means when we get up from sitting, practice continues, maybe in a different form. Of course, we can't give it the kind of attention we give when we're sitting upright still. And that's part of the reason we do sitting. But once we begin to do this in sitting, it's up to us to, so to speak, expand this to our whole life. So now Joko talks a little bit about stages of practice. First, she has what she calls pre-path which is caught in self-centered dream only suffering. In other words, no inkling of any other way to see life. In other words, we're really caught in a dream and we really are sure that this is the truth. This is 
the way it is, and this is what we say about it, and how we spin off about it. Then comes the early stages. We become aware of feeling, of all sorts of feelings and internal reactions, all sorts of emotion thoughts. And labeling is, I could say, helps, but labeling in a way is most important for this. Not because it makes it different, but because in labeling, we can acknowledge for ourselves what's going on and see it as what it is, as a self-centered dream as holding on to all sorts of things and see a little bit the consequences. That can be grateful, Joko says, even shocking. And I'm sure all of you are aware of that. Painful and shocking sometimes because we start discovering things that we never believed are true about our life and what we are doing. Discovering consequences of all sorts to what we're doing, what we're believing, how we're spinning off. It's very important to know that this will continue throughout our life, even though we say this is early stages. Nevertheless, as we practice, we become, Joko says, able to break down emotional states into physical and mental components. Joko says, as when you begin practicing, it takes about two to five years to be doing this. <laughs> two to five years to begin doing this regularly. By far, she says, the most difficult jump to make is from stage one to stage two. In other words, from becoming aware of the feelings, internal reactions, the labeling, and the ability to break down emotional states into physical and mental aspects. And she says we resist doing this because, because what? It begins to tear apart who we think we are. It really, what should I say? There's an expression, it uh, doesn't come to me at the moment. It all, it exposes the lie of the stories we tell ourselves. And we tell others and we use to justify all sorts of things we've done. Tear apart. You could say tear apart. It also just gently forces us to confront and face some of the things we do and have done. She says to move with any degree of solidity from stage one to stage two 
means that our drama slowly has to come to an end. From the standpoint of the little self, that's a tremendous sacrifice. Why? Because we all love our dramas. That they're what keeps us entertained, agitated, angry, sad, happy, justified. Most of all, it's our drama. And we want to believe our drama. Because if we didn't, then what? Then what's our life? If this drama isn't the way it is. If these stories, stories about so-called ourself, but of course stories about so-called others of all sorts, good, bad, Joko says, the hardest part, talking about the hardest part of the tremendous sacrifice of letting go of this point of view of little self. And she says, in the first two, five, ten years, When all of that depends on our own age, our strength, our genetics, how strong our early conditioning is and our ongoing conditioning is, that's the hardest part of is doing this for the first five, ten, twenty, who knows how many years, who knows how many lifetimes. This can vary tremendously. And she says, there's no virtue anywhere in this. So it doesn't make a difference how so-called good it is or how so-called not good it is. But of course, unfortunately, that's another self-centered dream that we add on. She says, no virtue, especially not in the sense that I'm better because I go faster or any such thing like that. That is nonsense. Nevertheless, we begin to do that. Despite the fact that we're practicing, we even want to turn sometimes practice into a way to judge, to add new ways to evaluate ourselves. And it's important to notice that what she says is that this depends on our age, strength, genetics, or socialization, how strong that early conditioning is and later conditioning is, and how much we continue to give in to that condition, give in to our self-centered dreams. This, it it can't be stated uh, enough the importance of recognizing and acknowledging our own practice realm. 
And there's not a better, there's not a worse. It's how it is today for us. And we are not in charge of what is going to arise for us. Things that have never seemed to be significant might become significant. Things that used to be a great entanglement might drop away of themselves. Who knows? In describing practice, Joko continues this, what she calls the middle stages. We begin to encounter moments of pure experiencing without self-centered thought. We don't have to call it pure experiencing, but we, she does, but be careful if you think pure is better. See, it's not that experiencing occurs because we do something else. Experiencing is always there, but this self-centered thought covers it up, blinds us. We hold on to the dream. That's why we say caught in self-centered dream. Joko says, a turning takes place in our life, in our practice. We see that this, this practice, this life, isn't just psychological work. Our awareness has changed. Our awareness means our experience, means our life, means the whole of life. We see what a true practice is, and we become committed to doing the work and do it, meaning the work that's necessary, the work that's necessary, not because there's some sort of burden, but just because the ongoing life that we are keeps on bringing forth work that's necessary. It's like, and I've used this example before, it's like a river that brings things down the river. The river was calm, clear, and then all of a sudden the river becomes raging, and there's all sorts of debris in the river, all sorts of color. It's dark, it's muddy, it's full of rocks, it's, and you go on. We are not in charge of what the river of our life brings, whether it's so-called personal or familial or communal or social or political or worldwide. All of us are in this river of COVID now. We've always been in a river of all sorts of viruses showing up, all sorts of plagues showing up, all sorts of pandemics showing up. We meaning humans, meanings all of life on earth. It's just we got an, had an idea that, oh, we were done with that. 
And now we've discovered, oh, the river of life is bringing this. Oh, we want to blame someone, something for it. Oh, it's because of this. It's because of that. They didn't do this. The Chinese did that. The bats did that. The viruses did that. Not much use in doing that. What's important is to see what and how do I live this moment. So Joko says, we slowly move into a more consistent state of non-duality, where the basis of living is experiential instead of being dominated by false thinking. By false thinking, I'll say, of self and other. By false thinking of past and future. By false thinking of all sorts. And it's not the generality of what I said, but it's the specifics of your false thinking, of my false thinking, of our, each of us false thinking that keeps on popping up in the river of our life. We thought we this was gone, taken care of, and here it pops up again in a different form. Caught in self-centered dream, holding to self-centered thought, self-centered emotion, thought, any mental states. Right there is the false thinking that pops up, and we've got a choice of grabbing on to it and playing with it and being blinded by it or living experientially so that it can pop up because the river of life brings it and then it can move on because the river of life takes it along. Of course, there is no river of life. That's just an analogy. Joko says, from here on, the percentage of time lived from experiential base just increases. That's the important part. Practice on the cushion, one thing. It's not really one thing. It's just another aspect of our life. But it's important to know that practice Life is this moment, this moment, being such a person that we are, being this thusness, this suchness, this, as Joko says, living the non-duality that we are the consistent state of what is always so. That's the whole point. To enable us to be who we are and being who we are, we can serve life, serve all beings that we encounter. This is a good place to stop, so I'll stop here, and tomorrow 
I will continue the rest of this text. Um, I might be able to finish it. I might not. If I don't finish it tomorrow, then the next week's Dharma talk will finish it. Thank you.